Welcome to Life Lessons in Unexpected Places. The world is full of teachers if you know how to look and listen. With Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Apply Right Principles Freedom, when truly lived, leads one forward on the path of law, of reality. Every car driver knows that, though a car may be steered from several positions, it will steer best from the driver's seat. This is a very um, deep thought that Swami is expressing to us here. Freedom will leave one, lead one, right, freedom rightly expressed will lead one down the path of law of reality. Law and reality, he's equating in the same, as the same thing. Therefore, he's not talking about human laws, because human laws are whatever they are. When uh, there was a period of time in my life when uh, my, our spiritual community got swept up in litigation, which went on for more than a decade, it was an effort by another self-declared rival organization to to get an advantage over us through the courts, which they did not succeed in doing, but it took a long time. I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I believe in past lives I've been a lawyer, so the mind mind knows what to do. And uh, one of our attorneys was my personal best friend, and we spent a lot of time talking about it, and we worked together on it a lot. And I remember on many different occasions, I would argue what the law must be. And, I, and, and after a time, she finally understood what my difficulty was because I hadn't been trained. I was using common sense. And she was a Harvard-trained, Harvard-trained attorney, so she really understood a lot better. She said law is, a, I mean, human law made by man in legislatures and then defined by courts she said, is not intuitive, it is not rational, it is political. She says, it simply is what it is. By political, she also meant that it can be corrupted by politics, but what she really meant was that it's human, and it just is what it is. The legislature makes a law, maybe it's well done, maybe it's not. Then the courts interpret it, maybe they interpret it well, maybe they don't. But then it simply is what it is. And you can't argue what it ought to be if you're actually in uh, an adversarial position. You have to argue what it is and then work from there. So in a sense, even though Swamiji is not talking about human law, he's talking about the same thing. It, it It is a reality that has to be adjusted to. But what Swamiji is really talking about, because he's equating freedom and law, which are not always, in most people's mind, uh, an equation. They don't necessarily go together. That's why Swami says, freedom when truly lived. Because people tend to think that freedom is, I get to do whatever I want. And that implies that if you can beat the system, if you can sort of manage to get away with it, then you get all the freedom you want. 
But what Swamiji is trying to get us tuned into is a completely different reality, uh, a completely different truth, which is there is a, a, an inherent way that, that defines human life. Human beings are made in a certain way. And that doesn't just mean that our physical bodies are made in that way. Our emotional bodies, our spiritual selves, there are certain divine laws that are always in place. You can see them in a physical sense. If you overeat rich, non-nutritious foods, it has consequences. You can say, I'm going to live on nothing but, but chocolate, and that I'm going to be strong and healthy. And, uh, <clears throat> well, there's always exceptions if you've transcended the physical plane. But if you haven't transcended the physical plane and are bound by it, you may <clears throat> try all kinds of outlandish experiments, but there are certain physical laws and certain things will happen to you. If you smoke cigarettes for decades, chances are, sometimes karma causes you to escape, but chances are it will affect your lungs. If you drink alcohol in enormous quantities, Chances are it's going to affect your body. If you take drugs of, the, of an addictive nature, you get addictive to those drugs. And you can have all the opinions you want about that, <clears throat> but law, which is in this case physical law, will simply intrude, and that physical law is the reality that you're dealing with. There are also certain laws about psychological health. There are definitely laws about emotional health. Then there are also laws about where does happiness really come from. And we tend to want it to be true that happiness comes from wherever we declare it to come from. And this is what we watch in little children. And as we try to get them to grow up properly, we try to teach them, you know, honey, if every time the little boy comes into the sandbox, you pick up the shovel and beat him on the head... Don't be surprised if when you want to play with him, he doesn't want to play with you. And we're just trying on the most basic level to explain to a child who hasn't yet got the cause and effect relationship that certain behaviors inevitably will have certain consequences because it's the way we're made. And yet we grow up as adults <clears throat> and we continue to <clears throat> express to others wrong attitudes, selfishness, a desire to control, a lack of compassion, a lack of kindness and sympathy. And we're so puzzled as to why we have no friends. I mean, we're doing the equivalent of picking up the shovel and pounding on the head of the little boy who comes in the sandbox, and we can't figure out why no one wants to play with us. Of course, sometimes it's more subtle, but if we become truly attentive, we discover that just like Newton's law of gravity, their cause and effect relationships, and I'll put it in the broadest terms, between the kind of energy and magnetism we put out and what the universe brings back to us. So freedom is not declaring that I'm going to say what's true and whatever I do, the result will be like me. I know there was a little child, I remember once, there, were, there was some leftover birthday cake and the child wanted the chocolate cake, she wanted it for breakfast. So she said, Mommy, I want chocolate cake for breakfast. And Mommy said... But honey, if you have chocolate cake for breakfast, you're not going to grow up strong. And the little girl said, Mommy, yes, I will. <laughs> Which I've always just loved because the child had no concept at all of what cause and effect and the greater reality was. But freedom to her was to get what I want. 
And a great many times we grow up and we express it more subtly than that because we learn to dissemble, whereas children are just out in the open. We learn to dissemble, but we are declaring to the universe, I want chocolate cake for breakfast and I will grow up strong. And we call that freedom. But freedom rightly lived is to go on a quest for truth and to, and to look at the results of certain ways of living and ask ourselves if that's who I want to be. And of course, if it is who you want to be, then follow the path that that person or whatever, whoever it was, follow in their footsteps and see where you end up. This is the great advantage of reincarnation is we get to try over and over again until we have enough experience because one lifetime really isn't enough to teach us. We may get some consequences for some of our behavior, but we always will find a loophole and we have to keep exploring all those loopholes over and over again. I was born as a determined truth seeker. Um, Fortunately, I was at least in a household that supported my way of being, but society as a whole was not not congenial to me. Um, I wasn't out of sorts. I was capable of making my way without um, causing any chaos for myself or for others. But inside myself, I was looking for something that nobody else seemed to be looking for. And I went to university. I, I lasted a year, but I actually paid attention for about two weeks. Because what I was looking for when I went to the university, I was looking for divine law. I was looking for truth. I wanted to know um, what reality was beyond my opinion and the opinions around me. What will really lead to freedom, actually, is what I wanted. Freedom and happiness. Not merely the indulgence of my own opinions, which I had figured out were not all that wise. But what I discovered in university, and I have to add, that I had no professional ambition, so there was nothing particular there that I wanted to learn, is that people were offering me knowledge, but they were not offering me wisdom. And even though some of my professors were perfectly fine people, I did not see in them the fulfillment of the aspirations I held for myself. And then I met Swami Kriyananda. At that time, he's an American man, even though he has an Indian name. It was 1969. As it happened, he was invited to speak on the campus of Stanford University, which happened to be the school I had briefly attended, although by then I was a college dropout. Um, He was speaking on the campus there. It was the end of the 60s when this whole sort of extraordinary movement toward um, uh, a a non-traditional spirituality, um, an an India-inspired spirituality, was just really beginning to sweep through um, the whole country, and especially through through my demographic, which was, you know, relatively, uh, you know, what, what people would call privileged. I was by no means affluent, but privileged people who had great opportunity but were, had lost interest in it. I was just right in the middle of that group. And when Swami came to speak at that particular gathering, um, as it happened, the people I were with, I was with, were interested in hearing him, but not enough to sit in the front row. In fact, not enough to sit in the middle. But they sat, they and I sat with them in the farthest seat we could take from where Swami himself would be standing. Why they felt that way, I don't know. 
wasn't that large a room, though, so I wasn't that far away from him. He walked into the room. I had never seen him before. He was 44 at that time. I'd never seen him before. And somehow I could feel his consciousness, and that I just write chalk up to divine grace. I could just feel his consciousness, and I recognized it as what I was seeking. I, I, I was already knowledgeable about the idea of meditation, of self-realization, of many of the principles of what is called Sanatan Dharma in India, which is not Hinduism, but which is the underlying principles that underlie actually all true religions. When you trace them down, you know, uh, compassion, expansion of self-identity, freedom from limitation, transcending physical limitations, harmony, an experiential sense of connection to, to the whole universe. These were the principles I already knew about, but I'd never seen them personified. I knew that it was possible to personify them. And I, was, I had read many biographies of dead people who personified them, whose spirits were still living, like St. Francis and Milarepa and Catherine of uh, Avila and Jesus Christ and Krishna. I knew it was possible to personify them. And I knew that their spirits were still accessible because some of them were guiding me. But there it was standing in front of me. And I could just tell. And it was like, this is freedom right, rightly lived. And the principles, far from binding and limiting us, actually open the door to the freedom because we're cooperating with what is. You can be in, is in rebellion against what is as fiercely and as powerfully and as determinedly as you want. But here's what Swami says. Every car driver knows that it's possible to steer the car from many places in the car. You can sit in the passenger seat. You can be in the back seat and you can lean across. You know, There's all kinds of things that you can do. But none of them work as well as if you sit in the designated place and operate the car the way it was designed to be operated. That, that's us. There's many things that we can do, and we can manage, perhaps, to get from here to there, but at great difficulty, at great danger sometimes, and often at great cost. But if we find the designated driver's seat and then operate the vehicle, and the vehicle in this case is my own consciousness, you know, my own personal destiny acted out now through this physical body, and when this physical body is done, through the one that comes next, and those that came before, the more I can understand what the, what the optimum way, um, because in harmony with what is, that's when freedom is truly lived. So, he says, apply right principles. Freedom, when truly lived, leads one forward on the path of law, of reality. Every car driver knows that, though a car may be steered from several positions, it will steer best from the driver's seat. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings, and thank you.